Welcome to Spawned, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase. We're the founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And today we're going to talk about the topic everyone we know is talking about. Kids, the COVID vaccine, and answers to all of your pressing questions from a terrific guest, mom of twins and board certified NYC pediatrician, Dr. Preethi Parikh. We are so excited to get to chat with her and we're going to do just that right after this. This episode is brought to you by GoodRx and their brand new online health resource, GoodRx Health. Have questions? Visit goodrx.com slash coolmompics. You'll find helpful info from a dedicated team of doctors, pharmacists, and healthcare experts who dive deep into medical research, drug facts, insurance information, scientific literature, and more to help address common health and medical questions in human terms that we can all understand. Yes, about COVID-19 too. In fact, GoodRx is a great site to visit if you want more info on who's eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine, how effective it is to learn about any risks or side effects and more. That's great for parents of kids who are now eligible and even for adults who may not yet be vaccinated and want to get the facts from trusted medical professionals and experts like Dr. Preethi Parikh, who's our guest here today. Again, that's goodrx.com slash coolmompics. So let us tell you a little more about Dr. Parikh and you'll know why we are so excited to speak with her today. So excited. Yes. So Dr. (laughs) Preethi Parikh, MD is a board certified pediatrician practicing at New York's esteemed Westside Pediatrics. She's an assistant clinical professor at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine and works as a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. And we know every parent knows about the AAP, right, Liz? (laughs) (laughs) I've spent more time on there than uh, I would like to admit. She holds degrees from Columbia University and Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. She's completed postgraduate training at the Mount Sinai School of medicine. Dr. Parikh combines her passion for clinical care and the health and well-being of families to empower people like us to achieve our optimal health. She also happens to be the medical director at GoodRx, who's graciously sponsoring today's podcast. Plus, she's the mom of 11-year-old twins, so we're kind of amazed she could even find the time to talk to us today. So welcome, (laughs) Dr. Parikh. Hi, thank you, guys. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. We are so excited. We were kind of bantering a little before we started recording, and we are both so excited excited about this. Full disclosure, we are totally pro-vaccine. We are pro-health. We are pro-medicine and science. And we're just so happy to have you here to answer questions because parents have some concerns. And like, I think it's excellent to ask a medical professional or if not your own to help clarify some things so you can make good choices. I couldn't agree more. And I'm really excited to talk about this because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I would love to help clear out questions that people have so that people feel more comfortable to get the vaccine. Excellent. We will get to all that in a sec. So listen, let me just first ask you, I mean, this is a pretty big time for pediatricians. You're in New York City where I am. I know that like the lines out the CVS in Brooklyn are crazy right now. Mm -hmm. And parents I know are kind of bouncing off the walls. They've been really excited since the CDC approved the COVID vaccine for kids 5 to 11. Are you seeing that in your community as well? Yes, I'm seeing a huge range of optimism and that people are really excited and can't wait to get their kids vaccinated. Have some families that are hesitant and are just wanting to get a little bit more information, but they're doing the right thing and they're reaching out to us and asking the right questions. And so I encourage everybody that if you do have questions, please reach out to your pediatrician. 
because it is an exciting time for our children. Yes. My 11-year-old was very excited to get her vaccine yesterday. And I was thrilled because we know some kids can be a little needle-phobic. We know adults can be too. So, you know, excitement was a good word to <laughs> describe how she was feeling yesterday. So we're both extremely pro-vaccine for anyone who is qualified and can be safely inoculated. But we know there are people out there who are vaccine hesitant and they're saying things, you know, and I'm sure you've heard them as well. It hasn't been around long enough. It feels like it's been rushed. And, you know, okay, those are reasonable questions. If you're not a scientist or a doctor, you don't have a lot of information. And you said it yourself, it can be difficult to find that right now. Although we know GoodRx is really helping with that situation, but we want to hear from you. Can you talk a bit about the vaccine development and the approval process? Does it seem faster than it actually is? Just clarify that whole question that so many people have right now. Yes. The exciting reason why we've been able to do this faster is that we've had vaccines around for over a century. So a lot of the reasons research has been done and we've been able to use that history to help us create this new vaccine. Also, the National Institute of Health had studied coronavirus and created a vaccine that could be custom made to different types of coronavirus. One month after COVID-19 was detected, that vaccine formation was in process. We also used a new technology called messenger RNA in making these vaccines. And the messenger RNA technology was being studied by vaccine researchers for decades. So they were easily able to put this together for the clinical trials, which is a very important part of this process to make sure that it's safe in human beings. We were able to have tens of thousands of volunteers per group to study this vaccine. So we were able to study it in a much quicker pace. And lastly, production usually of a vaccine is done after the approval process, but because we were in a pandemic, we were able to use our resources and start producing at the same time that the vaccine was going through the approval process. So it's as soon as it was approved, we were able to get these vaccines out. I just want to emphasize that we're really lucky at this time that we had a scientific community that was already studying and using all the data that we have done in the past on vaccines to get this out as soon as possible and never sacrifice for one second the safety for anybody and made sure that the rigorous science was behind it. I'm really glad to hear that reassurance. One thing I keep thinking about is just because COVID COVID-19, which is a coronavirus, is a new thing to us, does not mean it's a new thing to the science community. So there had already been a lot of work that was being built on. Exactly. And I'm also glad that you're talking about the idea that we knew it was safe. But let me jump to another concern that I've heard from parents, which is we don't know the long-term effects of the COVID-19 vaccine because it hasn't been around that long. One thing I've read is that we do know about long-term effects of vaccines overall and that that science is applied here. Like, for example, if you get a flu vaccine, there's no like after effects, as far as I know, 10 or 20 years in the future. Are those two things applicable? So vaccines have been studied for over a century. So we've been able to learn from the findings from those vaccines. And long-term side effects are really rare. Usually the side effects you'll see within six weeks of your last dose of the vaccine. And after that, we really don't see any other effects. With the COVID-19 vaccines, we've been actually following that at least eight weeks out. And no long-term side effects have been found. But I also want to reassure everybody that the CDC and FDA is continuing to monitor any side effects or symptoms 
and they're asking people to come to the database and report anything. That's very helpful because I know that's something that comes up a lot. And again, like we were saying, parents should ask the questions. Definitely. So we've also heard parents say things like kids don't really catch COVID-19 or they're at a lower risk than adults for severe symptoms. You know, so they feel like this was really something that the older adults needed or high risk folks needed, but not really kids. How do you address those concerns? Unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation about that because actually in the 5 to 11 year olds, there's been more than 1.9 million cases that have been reported. And usually kids underreport than adults in terms of COVID-19. So it could be actually much higher than that. And even with all of our efforts of masking and many children weren't even in school last year and activities were limited, we still had over 8,300 cases of hospitalizations of 5 to 11-year-olds with complications such as multi-inflammatory syndromes, MISCI, and also post-COVID conditions like long-haul effects that we're still learning about. Because even though children may have a mild form of the disease of COVID-19 or asymptomatic, meaning no symptoms, we have found that later they could develop what I had just described, something called multi-inflammatory syndrome, and they could have some long-haul effects. So it's not as benign as people think it is because they definitely can get it. And the transmission is actually now found too. Initially, there was reports that, oh, kids can't pass it along. But the newer research and all the information we've been getting is that kids can actually pass it along to other kids and to family members and adults of their community. So it's really important for these children to get vaccinated. I want to put a fine point on that because it's really interesting that there's no evidence of any long-term side effects of the COVID vaccine, but we know there are long-term effects of COVID-19 itself. And so it sounds like the benefits of the vaccine certainly outweigh any negatives that we haven't even heard about yet. Exactly. But let me ask you another question. Let's get into the math here mm-hmm. because I know this is a very confusing thing for parents. So mm-hmm. when parents mm-hmm. see percentages like the vaccine is 90% effective or this one's 90%, this one's 90.2%. That doesn't mean that 10% of vaccinated people will get breakthrough infections, right? I'm not like a statistical expert, but I know that that's not what it means. So I'm hoping you can explain the math a little better. Definitely. Thank you for bringing that up because I get this question all the time. So when they say 90% efficacy, researchers are measuring efficacy as how well the vaccine protects against symptoms of COVID-19. So when we hear 90%, it means 90% of those vaccinated who got COVID-19 had less hospitalizations, less severe symptoms, It does not mean that 90% of those vaccinated do not get COVID-19. So there's a big distinction. The distinction is that these 90% efficacy, when we talk about that, we're talking more that even if you're vaccinated and you get COVID, it's so effective that 90% of those cases don't have any severe symptoms or hospitalizations, which is really, really the key of the vaccines. We can't have 100% that you may not get it, but if you get it, you're able to protect yourself from serious illness. And that's the goal. I think that's great. I mean, Chris, we always joke about like, if there was a 90% chance of rain, you would probably bring an umbrella. 
<laughs> oh, I would definitely be bringing an umbrella and a raincoat and rain boots. Are you kidding? Absolutely. So 100% maybe like, you know, the ultimate goal, but 90% in this case is outstanding. It is. And you know, I feel like Liz, I don't know about you, but this is the one thing that really seems to confuse a lot of people who I know is like the number mm-hmm. and, oh, well, you know, well, someone was vaccinated and they still got COVID, but they were vaccinated. And that was never the case, right? Like the idea is that, yes, you can still get COVID. It is the symptoms and keeping you out of the hospital, out of the ICU and alive. That is super important. And 90% is an extremely high number. Again, I'm not a statistician, but I'm thinking 90% is very high. (laughs) It is. We're really lucky. I mean, these numbers are outstanding. And to be able to prevent yourself from getting such serious illness is no small milestone. It's huge for us. So can you talk a little bit about reasons that a child 5 through 11 should not consider the vaccine, right? Because we were on top of it. I had my appointment like two weeks before I think appointments were available, right? They were pre-scheduling and I was on top of it. My kids have had perfectly fine experiences with other vaccinations, but are there considerations, you know, when should parents be hitting up their own pediatrician and being like, hey, listen, is it underlying conditions? Like what are some things that you look for when you say, you know, this might not be right for you? The biggest thing that you should be talking to your pediatrician about is if your child has a history of like severe allergic or anaphylactic reactions to a vaccine before, if you had taken a Pfizer vaccine before your child had, or if you know that there's a certain components of the vaccine that your child may be allergic to. So one of the great things that they've done is on the CDC website, you can actually go and see all of the ingredients in the Pfizer vaccine and take a look at it. And if there's any concern that any of those things could be potentially causing an allergic reaction to your child, you should definitely talk to your pediatrician or to your allergist to make sure that you're in a safe setting and you can get the vaccine. And GoodRx.com has all that information as well, right? Because the website's aggregating information from the CDC. We've compiled all the important information onto our website too, to help people find where to get a vaccine, important information about the vaccine, and all of that can be found on GoodRx Health. So of course, flu season is back again now. <laughs> we don't get Yay. a break. We don't get a break. Okay, no, I'm, no I'm hearing too, Liz, are you hearing? And Dr. Preek, I'm sure you'll weigh in on this. I'm hearing that it might be a not so great flu season. So this is a great question. Yes. And, and I'd like to know personally, because I actually scheduled my booster and my flu shot to on Monday and We're I'm gonna flooster. I am. I'm calling it the flooster. <laughs> yeah, the flooster. I love it because I, I'm asthmatic, so I have a higher risk. So I am getting the booster. We know flu shots are still important. How do parents handle that? Like, I know it's okay for me to get them together, or I hope. I hope you'll confirm my decision. But how do parents handle that? Do you think they should space out inoculations from the two COVID shots? So the data by AAP and the CDC says not to. You can give it at the same time. And the great thing about that is the less doctor visits and less visits you have is better for your child to get those shots that they need done. We all have busy schedules and we want to make sure we protect them. I know we've been talking about COVID for the last 18 months, but those other illnesses that are preventable, we can't forget about them because they're front and center and everything is back. We want to make sure we get them vaccinated so you can do it definitely at the same time, just like you do other vaccines at the same visit. It is safe to do both the flu and the COVID vaccine vaccine and making sure that you're protecting your child from everything, which is great. Or protecting yourself in the case of me. 
Yes. <laughs> exactly. yes, exactly. So I have an 11 year old. I know you've got two 11 year olds in your house. And I have been chatting with friends of mine who also have 11 year olds. And it's a tricky situation in some ways because, you know, my brain is like, okay, hold on. This vaccine is approved for five to 11 year olds. My 11 year old is basically the size of a 12 year old. She doesn't turn 12 for another year. I don't want to wait, but is a vaccine that a five year old is getting good enough for an 11 year old? So can you address that? Can you clarify? Because I know a lot of us with tweens, you know, who are in that weird space are wondering, how does this work? Yeah, it's really a great question because in this age, you see like the differences in children based on maturity and it's crazy. So it's not based on their weight. Like when we look at medications, especially pediatric dosing, we look at their weight and all of those factors. But when it comes to vaccines, it's very different. It's based on your immune system. Mm. So when they were looking at how to dose for children versus adolescents, they really look at the immune system and how it responds. All my patients and my 11-year-olds included, I really recommend to use the 11-year-old dosing because that's what's been studied and what has been found to be safest. And their immune response is amazing. And they can actually, in a lower dose, be able to still build that immune response that we saw with adults. So I would say stick with what your age of your child is and go based on that recommendation. I learned something new. I think that's fascinating that it's about the development of your immune system and that that's pretty standard by age as opposed to height or weight. I never even considered that. So look at me learning new things today. (laughs) (laughs) So one more big question from parents that we keep hearing is that there are some who are like, well, I don't want to do it yet. I want to see what happens. I want to wait a little bit. I'm not sure. Do you think it's sensible to get it right away? Or does it make sense for some parents to wait a little bit and see how their kids' classmates are doing, for example? I recommend to get it right away. Our kids have been put through a lot. It's been 18 months where they have not been able to really enjoy their childhood the way that we've all been able to when we were growing up. Besides preventing from getting COVID-19, the actual illness, the other intangibles that we've been seeing is that even before the pandemic, we had a mental health crisis. Mm. But now it is truly an emergency. The patients that I see, the kids that are just missing out on doing playdates and participating in after-school activities and not having to miss school and be part of those social interactions and seeing family members, getting back to childhood and living a normal life. And the quicker we get everyone vaccinated, the better for the society and for our children. And also for children right now being quarantined, you know, we've talked about and heard about educational gaps because people had got quarantined and last year people weren't even in school. They were all online and now they're finally back in school, but classrooms are getting shut down because of potential children coming in who have it and they have to be quarantined. And to be able to have someone vaccinated so you don't need to be quarantined anymore and these children can go back to somewhat of a normal life. It's just, it's so huge. And the quicker we all get to do it and get our kids vaccinated, the quicker we could go back to a really great life. I think that's a great point. I'm really glad you brought up mental health because for me, Mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest factors in getting my kids vaccinated as soon as possible. And speaking of which, I think one of the best questions people can ask their pediatricians or their, you know, GPs or doctors, if they have questions themselves is, did you get the vaccine? And (laughs) would you give your kids the vaccine? And I'm wondering if you would mind telling us, are you vaccinating your own 11-year-old children? 
children? I get this question all the time. And I definitely always only recommend what I do for my own family. And I'm happy to say my children both got vaccinated on Saturday. And it's amazing <laughs> to see them. And I think one of you had mentioned too, my children were actually super excited. And mm-hmm. just, it was such an emotional and optimistic time when we went and we got it done. I have videos and pictures and just like a light at the end of the tunnel. We've all been through a lot. And I actually felt more emotional when my kids got it than when I got it. Mm. I just felt this sense of relief that my children can finally live their lives. I understand as I sat there sobbing in a hotel ballroom while my kids got vaccinated the first week it was available to kids over 12. Mm-hmm. It was super emotional. They're like, mom, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> May that be the worst side effect of the vaccine is that I'm embarrassing you. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's great. Well, we're really thrilled that you were able to join us. We really hope this helps parents make good decisions about the COVID vaccine for their kids because it really affects the whole family. As you said, mental health, physical health, and of course your whole community too. And we're really all in this together. Nothing has proven that more than the last 18 to 20 months that we are all in one global society and what one does affects the other. Thank you so much for talking to me on this important topic. And I just would love to reiterate like, please go to trusted resources, your pediatrician, the CDC, the AAP, and GoodRx Health. We have all medical experts vet all of our content to make sure you're getting the information that you need. And thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for being here. And you know, speaking of resources, our listeners and everyone can visit goodrx.com slash coolmompicks. That's goodrx.com slash coolmompicks and check out their vaccine guide, which aggregates data from the CDC, Vaccine Finder, and other partners and also tracks daily vaccine inventory and available appointments at more than 50,000 sites across the nation from America's 70,000 pharmacies to state and local government-run sites, hospitals, and more. You can even browse available appointments in your community and learn what location near you is providing which type of vaccine. And that's all at goodrx.com slash coolmompics. We just want to keep you all healthy and safe. That's what we're here for. So, hey, thank you so much to our listeners for joining us. Thank you to our engineer, John Bowen. Thanks to our sponsor, GoodRx, for being such a helpful resource for parents who have so many questions. And a huge thanks to our guest, Dr. Preeti Parikh, and really to all the doctors, nurses, pediatricians, medical professionals out there everywhere who have been working so hard to help keep our families healthy in tough times. We are grateful for all of you. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.